0: While hormonal birth control was designed to impact the reproductive system alone, your body doesn't work that way. Your hormones impact every single system in your body. And medicine may wanna compartmentalize things and be like, this is a gut drug, so it only impacts the gut. And this is like a reproductive tract drug, so it only impacts the reproductive tract your body don't care. Your body does not care. That's how they wanted to present it. Your body's like, all of this is related. And so while we're on hormonal birth control, I think this is one of the most eye-opening things is it impacts every single system in your body. You're listening to Muscle Medicine, where we debunk the myths in the health and wellness world to bring you the latest updates in exercise, rehab, and nutrition from industry leaders. Join your host, Dr. Emily Kyberg, chiropractor, and movement expert as she brings you simple, actionable tips to reach your fullest potential.
1: Today we sit down with Dr. Jolene Brighton, just came out with this great book, Beyond the Pill. And funny enough, I read, I think it's your first book about like postpartum rehab Mm -hmm. before I even knew you, like after I had a child, when I felt terrible and I picked up your book. Oh my God! It that's on Amazon, crazy. yeah. I
0: never knew that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I love what you're putting out to the world because so many women need to know this. I myself have taken Yaz. Yes. I did the NuvaRing. I felt like a crazy person on every single birth control I've ever taken. <laughs> and you really talk about the effects of birth control, and then how
0: to—I guess you would say—rehab, but like kind of how to take care of yourself after. Mhm. Yeah, and you know there's so many women have said the exact same thing of like I used this form of contraceptive, hormonal contraceptive, I felt like a crazy person and it's often followed with and my doctor didn't believe me or they dismissed me. And that's a big reason why I wrote the book is that we feel like we're alone we feel very isolated. The conversation is shifting, but for a long time, the story went like, you should be ashamed of your period. You should be ashamed of your hormone imbalance. And then my favorites are like, women are just crazy. Don't make a woman president. She would have her period and blow up the whole world. And it's like, actually, she would have her period and she would solve all the world's problems because her brain and her estrogen would be so on point that her lobes would be firing much more fierce than a man's brain could. So with that, ladies... Your hormones give you superpowers. so keep that in mind. But, you know the other reason I wrote the book is to give women solutions beyond birth control. Like you're going to go to the doctor with you know your period problems, the fill- in the blank of any female trouble, and odds are you're going to be prescribed the pill, the patch, the ring, the depot shot, just shut it down altogether, and no discussion about what is actually going on. And to me, as a woman and as a physician, this is a big disservice, because you deserve to understand what's happening in your body. Your symptoms are not something to be strong-armed into submission. They are something to be respected. It's communication. Would you put your hand over your child's mouth and be like, I know you have something really important to say, but I don't want to hear it? Maybe, <laughs> maybe you would. Like I have a six-year-old. There are those days. So I ain't judging anybody where you're like, please, <laughs> shh, just for a second. And like, but it can feel that way in your body. And your doctor can sometimes reinforce that, like. Your symptoms are just your normal. And while they're very, very common, they're not normal. And we need to investigate is it PCOS? Is it endometriosis? Is it hypothyroidism? Is it gut dysbiosis? Is it a liver detoxification issue? Like there is a root cause to your symptoms. And while, you know, I, for one, did the pill for 10 years and spent a decade masking things. And then I had to deal with all of that, the blowout, (laughs) what happens when you come off? Because there was so much I was not told, which is what is in the book now. But with that, you know, while it is your right to use birth control to control your symptoms, it is also your right to understand that there can be consequences related to that. And while you may have an irregular period and popping the pill can induce a withdrawal bleed monthly, which gives your doctor the you know the idea that that's a period happening it may actually be that you have a metabolic disorder as the case with PCOS and now you come off of birth control find yourself infertile diabetic with you know cardiovascular disease like this is the kind of thing that your doctor should say to you you know if they want to write that prescription if you want to take that prescription you should still be informed
1: yeah so let's talk about metabolism and birth control and i remember taking Yaz. Yes, and I was, I went back to my doctor and I was like, I know you said I don't gain weight, but I am 10 pounds heavier <laughs> and it is not muscle mass. And it was like, it was almost like, no, no, no. That's like, no, that's not a truth. It, I almost felt like it was in my head. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. the scale don't lie. So can you talk about how like hormonal birth control
0: can like, affect weight gain? Oh, totally. And there's so many, like, I just want to say that to any of the men out there who are still (laughs) spreading the propaganda that it's calories in, calories out. And I'll see this on social media where men are like, your hormones have nothing to do with your weight gain. And I'm like, stop mansplaining my hormones to me. I don't need any of that. Like, do you live in my body? Have you ever bled? Nope. You haven't done any of that. So just slow your roll and have some respect for the story that I share. And we can look at thyroid alone, Telltale signs that you want to work up a woman for hypothyroidism. It's weight gain, unexplained weight gain. So, your hormones can and do impact your metabolism. So, let's talk about birth control. And specifically, why I brought up thyroid is because that's one mechanism in which hormonal birth control can wreck your metabolism. There's an entire chapter in my book that is dedicated to thyroid health. And so, You know, one of the first people who really went into detail on all of the ways that hormonal birth control impacts your thyroid, because I did the pill for 10 years. I have Hashimoto's. And it's something I kept seeing in my patients. They had thyroid issues, especially if they were using birth control. So hormonal birth control can deplete nutrients. It does. I should say it does deplete nutrients that your thyroid needs to actually make thyroid hormone. It impacts the gut and the liver in a negative way, which are two main sites to convert inactive to active, T4 to T3 thyroid hormone, which is your mood, your menses, your metabolism, all the things. And in addition, it's inflammatory, which means that it can lead to water weight gain, but it also can make your cells rigid to where they, you can't dock. The receptor won't actually allow the docking of hormones there. And so, even if you do manage to make enough of that hormone, you may not be able to get it onto the receptor. And then there's the fact that hormonal birth control raises binding proteins, so thyroid binding globulin, which is why some of the research is like, oh, birth control actually raises your thyroid hormone. It's good for your thyroid. And I always giggle because they were looking at total hormones. They weren't looking at free hormones. We only use free hormones and the elevation of total is because the binding proteins came in. So that's one mechanism. The other thing about hormonal birth control is that the way that it works is by shutting down ovarian and brain communication. So that's the primary mechanism of the pill. When we talk about like the IUD, some women stop ovulating, not all women stop ovulating. That's an important thing. And you can stop ovulating at any point using the marina or any of these progestin-based IUDs. So with um, using hormonal birth control will shut down ovarian production of testosterone. So, Yas Yasmin, Ocella, these are some of the uh, contraceptive pills of choice because they're very good with like managing testosterone. So they get used in women with PCOS, except that that, that particular formulation of progestin it alters your potassium and your sodium levels, which is why more women started having cardiovascular events, strokes, heart attacks, things like that, when that formulation of pill in particular was introduced. And it's particularly risky for women with polycystic ovarian syndrome because at the root, that's a metabolic disorder and they're already at higher risk for a cardiovascular event. So with that, If you're shutting down testosterone production and you're raising sex hormone binding globulin, which is a binding protein grabbing onto testosterone, we're going to see issues with muscle metabolism which is what this whole podcast is about. So I know your people know. Like if <laughs> you right. want to change your metabolism rapidly, build muscle mass. If you want to burn more calories just by laying on the couch in the day, you want to build the muscle mass. And if you want to protect yourself in the future, and this is more important than burning calories, everybody, from like sarcopenic obesity, osteoporosis, diabetes, you want to have muscle mass. And so- There's been research showing that it does, in fact, lower basically strength gains. Like people, women who are on hormonal birth control, they don't have the same muscle gains when they're working out. They do this in athletes. They're like their rate to fatigue is much quicker while they're on hormonal birth control. Part of that is because it's depleting nutrients like CoQ10 that your mitochondria need to function. These are the powerhouse of your cells. They burn energy as well. So there's the muscle mass kind of conundrum that goes on there's insulin resistance involved in this. So there's a chapter called reversing metabolic mayhem in my book where I talk about this. And I talk about how a study came out showing if you spent six months on the pill or longer, you had about a 35% increased risk of developing diabetes when you go into menopause. This is something we should definitely be in the know on. And I'm like, why is it like this study came out in 2018? I'm like, why is this coming out in 2018? And we've all been popping this pill since like the 1960s. Like this is kind of crazy to me. So that's just another way. We know if there's insulin resistance, we're going to have shifts in body composition. In addition, why doctors often dismiss this is because progesterone, now mind you, you make progesterone, mama nature makes progesterone, men in the lab there's women in the lab too, but they. I just always think mankind. Um, they make <laughs> progesterone. so that's synthetic. Progesterone's is a diuretic. Progestin is not a diuretic. So we see water weight gain, but often. So if you get into the research, doctors will say, "Oh, on average, it's not that significant. It's like five to ten pounds of weight gain." Okay, well, like I'm not even five five. If I gain ten pounds, that is significant for my body. My body type. So. There's that individual component, but it's also when you look at the research, how did they actually come with this, get to the average? By doing an average. Some women gained over 70 pounds. Some women lost weight because of nausea and not tolerating birth control. And then they added them all up, divided by the number of people and said, this is the average, five to 10 pounds, not a big deal. But what about those women with over 50 pound weight gain? This is the problem, is that we're cherry picking populations, we're putting them into a study, then we're making inferences based on the general population and dismissing women based on that. It makes no sense because we are now in a place to understand that Some women, like you and I, get on the pill and we have severe mood symptoms. Other women have no issues. That's the question we need to be asking. Why her and not her? Like the debate of causation is just silly to me. Like women have been complaining of like depression, weight gain, all these symptoms. Since the introduction of birth control, it's on the package inserts. It always shows up in the clinical trials. And yet for some reason in clinical practice, doctors are like, no, the pill can't do
1: that. I remember once I was with one of my instructors in chiropractor college and I had dropped a pen and I, I literally bent over and started crying to pick it up. And I was like, who, who is who is this person in my body? Like that emotional component. I was like, oh my God, I don't feel like myself Yeah. Um, while on birth control. You mentioned that birth control can create inflammation. Mm-hmm. There's such a strong focus on Decreasing inflammation in the body by how we're working out, by how we're eating, by how we're recovering, by the supplements we take. And I don't think most people, you know, even think of birth control as inflammatory.
0: Oh yeah, no, I didn't, and I remember. So I was a group fitness instructor, and there were times where, like, my knees, and this this didn't start until I was on birth control. Where I would work out, and my knees would like balloon up and be swollen, and it was like a birth control slash gluten issue going on that I can look back and see now. I get gluten now, and I don't, I don't blow up like that, but I definitely have joint pain. So with that, the very interesting thing is there's been studies where they measure woman. And C-reactive protein—that's a marker of inflammation. They put her on the pill, they measure it again, and lo and behold, inflammation is up. So, what the working hypothesis is right now, and if we just like we just started like really questioning birth control in the recent years. Like it's something where I'm like, I feel like it was like it was taboo—you couldn't question it because it was absolutely part of the women's movement. Like we graduated college at a higher rate, we get paid more, we're CEOs of companies. Yes, it was a tool and we still deserve the right to question. we, We should be questioning this. So with this, we know hormonal birth control induces intestinal hyperpermeability, what's more commonly known as leaky gut. And your immune system lives in your gut. So if anything is causing leaky gut, or what it also does is it lowers microbial diversity. So good guys, you haven't got as many of them. That's a fast-track way to chronic disease. we recognize recognized this in the research. All of that alone can increase inflammation because that's where your immune system's living. And if your little dendritic cells pop up through your intestinal lining and they survey the land and the land is looking fierce and there's enemies coming, then they've got a mount to mount a response. So that's one way we can get inflammation via the immune system. The other thing is that With hormonal birth control, it raises binding proteins to hormones. So sex hormone binding globulin, we've discussed. We've talked about thyroid binding globulin cortisol binding globulin. And I've had doctors who are like, I don't think this is really real. And I'm like, do you know how they validate that a woman is actually compliant in a study? They measure these binding proteins. If these binding proteins are not up, they know she has stopped using hormonal birth control. And so with that, cortisol, which gets a bad rap for belly fat, and yes, it's true. However, every hormone is like a Goldilocks situation. Like The porridge is good. It just can't be too hot or too cold. Now, (laughs) With cortisol. (laughs) I'm glad you think I'm funny. I love that. So, you know, with cortisol, it controls inflammation. It modulates inflammation. But if your adrenal glands don't have what they need, so vitamin C, for example, the adrenal glands need vitamin C to function properly. Hormonal birth control depletes vitamin C. Ever wonder why some women say, I started hormonal birth control and I feel like I have more fine lines, wrinkles, like my skin's changing? Yeah, because you need vitamin C and vitamin E to keep up that sees the collagen matrix. And so without that, you can have problems and hormonal birth control depletes it. And that's going to impact your adrenal glands as well. And then they try to make cortisol and then there's this binding protein grabbing onto it. And so now the body's inherent mechanisms for controlling inflammation have just basically been hijacked. And this is something really important to understand for everyone listening is that while hormonal birth control was designed to impact the reproductive system alone, your body doesn't work that way. Your hormones impact every single system in your body. And medicine may want to compartmentalize things and be like, this is a gut drug, so it only impacts the gut. And this is like a reproductive tract drug, so it only impacts the reproductive tract. Your body don't care. Your body <laughs> does not care that that's how they wanted to like present it. Your body's like all of this is related. And so while we're on hormonal birth control, I think this is one of the most eye-opening things, is it impacts every single system in your body, which is why women can react differently. Some women have new onset of skin symptoms, gut symptoms, vaginal infections, vaginal dryness, pain with intercourse. They might have mood symptoms, migraines. I mean, it can show up in so many ways. And then in addition, when you come off, that's when your body can be like, yo, I need you to pay attention here because there's some stuff we got to take care of if we want to survive together. So when women are listening to this and they hear, they're hearing all these different symptoms and they're
1: saying, oh my God, this is me. I want to get off. But there's an impact also to getting off, right? In developing post birth control syndrome.
0: Mm-hmm. Point. <laughs> post birth control syndrome, man. I like. I had no when I got it. I had no idea. My doctor did a good job at convincing me that like I was the only person ever to that. I look back and I'm like, you either weren't listening to your patients, or they didn't want to share with you because the majority, if not all, of women struggle in some way to come off of birth control unless what I have found working with patients and talking to you know thousands of women via the internet as well is the women who didn't, they will say, well, when I came off birth control, it was because I changed my diet. I changed my lifestyle. I started exercising. I was sleeping better. I was doing all these things for my health. And then I was like, wait a minute, but I still pop this pill every single day. And it was one of the last things to go. And so that's what you're going to find in Beyond the Pill is the diet, lifestyle, and supplement considerations to help you transition off and avoid post-birth control syndrome. So what is that? People are probably like, what is post-birth control syndrome? So It is the collection of signs and symptoms that arise after you stop hormonal birth control. For some women, it happens in a matter of weeks. For other women, it can take a lot longer. And often, you know, I'll have women who come to my practice, they've been off of birth control two years, five years, and they're like, I don't know, my doctor said it couldn't be birth control related because it didn't happen right away. And I'm like, okay, well, let's go through your timeline. And as we go through it, it's like, yeah, I did cry a little bit more and I did feel a little more stressed out. Yeah. And I was having some gas and I just stopped eating these foods. And then what happens is that years later, they're like, and now I'm at my breaking point and I can't handle it anymore. That's what drove me to see a doctor. And so with that, it was there, but they like what women do, man, we just push through things because like the world doesn't stop just because like we get sick. Like it's, I mean, it's the reality of our society. We're moms, we're working, like we're wives, we're partners, we're doing all the things like all the time. And we're really, really good at putting everyone else first. It's why the human race is here. Um, the speech <laughs> would not exist if women weren't like always putting people before them. That's not to give you permission to skimp your self-care for people listening right now. But so with that post-birth Syndrome, like I said, you know, it can impact any system in your body. New onset of neurological symptoms, so headache, brain fog. You might develop thyroid, adrenal issues. You could have autoimmune disease. So birth control starting in or stopping it can be a triggering event for autoimmunity. Just like starting your period, going through perimenopause, getting pregnant, having a baby. These hormonal fluctuations and changes, they're part of why women are at higher risk of developing autoimmune disease. You can also see that women, you know, some women for the first time in their life get cystic acne. That happened to me. They get acne in general, or you know, I had a patient where she's like, she came off of hormonal birth control and then she broke out head to toe with psoriasis, and that's why she came to see me. And her doctor was like, "That has nothing to do with birth control." And she's like, "I never had psoriasis. Then I stopped it within, like, you know, it was it was within a month that she had psoriasis." And so, you know, there's a lot of things where it's like it's usually not just birth control. I will say that too. There's usually other factors where are play and birth control was kind of what tipped the scales for you. So with that, if you are thinking about coming off of birth control, there's the whole protocol outlined in the book. If you're on it now, not, like the, if I did my job right in the book, you won't feel afraid being on it, wanting to start it, wanting to come off of it, wanting to go a different way. So the book gives you lots of, it's like the decoder ring, the book you should have gotten when you got your period to decode what your period symptoms mean. And that's part of the reason why we go on hormonal birth control. Almost 60% of us start it for symptom management. And then when we come off, it's what drives us back on a lot of the times is that maybe your period goes missing. So post-pill amenorrhea has been documented in the research since the 1970s. That's the loss of your period when you come off of birth control. And that can last three months for women. And then it can spontaneously come back. Because for however long you were on it, your brain and your ovaries were not communicating. But for some women, it lasts much longer and that warrants investigation. And so you know, in the book, the number one step I give you is that if you're going to come off of it, you need a backup method. And I talk in the fertility chapter why you do not want to get pregnant within six months of starting stopping hormonal birth control. So even if you do want to get pregnant, you've got to spend at least six months really loving up your body. And then I take you through like dietary considerations, like what lifestyle factors. And there's a quiz in the book where one of the five fundamentals of the Brighton Protocol is understanding your hormone imbalance. And so there's a lot of people out there saying a lot of true information. And what I wanted to do in Beyond the Pill is help you decipher what's true for you. So you become your own little scientist with your body where you're testing things. And one thing you're going to do is you're going to take a quiz that's going to help you assess your hormones and figure out your hormone imbalance so you can address that specifically. And you take the quiz and then it says, just go to these pages, read right away. And so it's, it's different for every woman. If like your symptoms are estrogen dominance, then like you need to be eating broccoli sprouts every day. And like, we have to, like, you don't get leadway with alcohol and you've got to clean up environmental toxins. And sure all of us need to be doing these things, but it's also a consideration of like, given where you're at, like, this is the lifestyle factor you double down on now. Cause it's overwhelming to change lifestyle. At least I think it is. And my most successful people Uh, in my practice are the ones that go at it slow and we make the priorities and we implement slowly instead of being like, let's just do everything all at once. And that lasts about like two to three weeks. And then they're like, I'm so stressed out. And it's like, (laughs) "Um, and now you're not making progesterone. We got a problem.
1: (laughs) You talk about seed cycling in the book, right? Oh, yeah. So I gave one of my girlfriends the book. Oh, awesome. Thank you. Like early 30s. I gave she's been on birth control since she was like teens. Mm -hmm. And
0: she has said that seed cycling changed her life. Isn't it phenomenal? So I've been seed cycling for a decade now. I didn't even like realize this. I'm like, oh my God, it's been a long time. My mentor, who actually he published a book that included seed cycling and moon cycling. And I realized he published this book twenty years ago, after twenty years of his clinical practice. Like that's, I'm just like, man, seed cycling's been around for a long time. But when you're in naturopathic medical school and you're learning about gynecological issues, they're teaching you seed cycling. They're teaching you like how to eat with your menstrual cycle and what lifestyle factors need to come into play with the menstrual cycle. And so, really, just looking at that foundational stuff and. For people who don't know what seed cycling is, can you- I'm going to explain that. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, stop it. I'm just stringing y'all along. (laughs) (laughs) Playing hard to get with that seed cycling. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So with that, it was a patient of mine with PCOS who really taught me like the power of seed cycling. And so seed cycling is a really simple practice. Day one, first day that you have your period, that's a flow of blood. That's where you're going to start fresh ground flax seeds and pumpkin seeds. And it's something Where I just want to say there are a lot of people who love to get dogmatic about things, and I don't understand why. I'm like get the job done kind of person. I've been seed cycling for 10 years, and I will tell you that if all you have on hand is flax seeds, do it. If all you have on hand are raw pumpkin seeds, do it. If you want to eat two tablespoons of each, do it. You want to eat one of each, do it. Like whatever gets the job done. Like when we stress about these types of protocols that are really food based, it really kind of undermines what they're meant to do. So I just want to say that because you will get a bunch of people who are writing in, being like, "Do I? What if I only do one tablespoon?" And it's like, "Don't, don't overthink it. It's going to be okay." <laughs> so um, with that. Thought- But it needs to be fresh ground, flax seeds. With the pumpkin seeds, fresh ground is definitely better in terms of bioavailability. I grab a handful and I throw it in my mouth sometimes. And I'm like, and I just chew it 30 to 40 times so that like I use my own little grinder. I I came with a grinder, it's in my mouth. (laughs) So you're gonna eat that up until ovulation. And so what I tell women to do, the easiest way to do this is that just measure out a tablespoon of each or two tablespoons of each of these seeds, grind a week's worth in a spice grinder, or coffee grinder, but don't grind coffee beans. You'll just ruin your coffee. You'll ruin your. By the way, you guys, Doctor Emily here, Kibbard you know, I always say your last name wrong. Kybird, Kybird. Ah, yeah, good. Uh, you came to Paris and you brought me coffee. So just so you know, we ain't hating on <laughs> coffee. I love coffee, but you got to test it. Oh, the Portland girl. You go through. I know, totally. You'll read in my book where I'm like, "No, listen, it's literally liquid sunshine for us here. It's snowing right now as we're talking." So, like, stop it in Portland. Yeah, yeah, we've been getting a lot of snow in February. Well, now it's March, actually. (laughs) I'm I'm dating this podcast. People are like, "Get to the seed cycling already. Let's do this." Okay, (laughs) so grind a week's worth, stick it in your freezer, and then just grab out like a big heaping tablespoon or two. Throw it on salads. Throw it in smoothies. Throw it in oatmeal. Like whatever you eat, that's going to be really beneficial to you. Now, when you ovulate, we're going to flip into the luteal phase and that is going to be following ovulation. If you're not having a menstrual cycle, I'm going to speak to moon cycles here in a second. But if you are going into the luteal phase, that's where you have fresh ground sesame seeds and fresh ground sunflower seeds. Again, raw. And this is how I know that seed cycling still works and helps is that I hate sesame seeds. I don't like tahini. I don't like sesame seeds. And so there's a bit there that I was like, I'm just going to eat more raw sunflower seeds. And it's, I still find benefits. Now, what I was alluding to with my patient, so I had this PCOS patient come in. Now understand she was already weightlifting, exercising, and eating a paleo style diet. She's already doing things to manage her PCOS, but she wanted to get pregnant and she had no menstrual cycle and she never could have a regular menstrual cycle. Which for people listening, ovulation comes before menstruation, so it 's a necessary thing to have a baby you want to be seeing a period, and so I was like, I want to get some baseline lab testing before we come in and do any kind of other kinds of interventions, but I want you to start seed cycling, like your diet 's great, your exercise is great we 're going to get you in bed, make sure you 're sleeping, like all this like you know basic hygiene stuff, but the seed cycling was the thing that she changed that was the most the biggest change, and then she, I didn't see her labs come in. She didn't come back. And I was like, what happened? And she was like, well, I had to schedule with my gynecologist because I got pregnant after six weeks of seed cycling. She got pregnant. And I was wow. like- dang like and I was like seed cycling's a great adjunct therapy but she really like and this is something where I'm like my patients have taught me so much stuff I mean everything in beyond the pill is born out of clinical practice and me researching on PubMed to help women one-on-one So you know with that that's just like seed cycling is some pretty powerful stuff for sure now, if you don't have a period so this gal didn't have a period we synced it up with the moon cycles and you'll read all if you dig moon cycling you will read about that in beyond the pill and i've got more information coming out about it because i actually wrote an entire chapter about moon cycles and this like cosmic connection that we have and the publishers were like dude that's way too much information <laughs> and so you're like what about all my real talk come on yeah. like <laughs> yeah well they you know they they had a really really good Argument of like people actually had to be able to hold the book in their hands. It couldn't be so big. And I kept having these (laughs) visions of like, oh, women laying in bed holding this book up while they're reading before they go to bed and it drops on their face. And then on Instagram, there's the photos of like, Oh, Beyond the Pill gave me a black eye. Like, so we had to cut it down. We couldn't, we couldn't give anybody a black eye. But with moon cycles, if you want to follow a moon cycle, you may and know that like whatever your purpose you are serving, you might bleed on the full moon, the new moon, you might bleed in between, you might be switching cycles. And that is in Beyond the Pill. You can read about that. But with seed cycling, you want to sync it up to where your period would be with the new moon and ovulation would be with the full moon. And so you're going to do the flax seeds and the flax seed and pumpkin seeds. That is going to be new moon to full moon. Full moon is when we historically would ovulate, you know, living in a cave. Light is waking you up and what you're going to do because there's predators outside. You're going to have sex. Like, what else is there to do like you're up in the middle <laughs> of the night so at that point that's where we're going to flip over and and you'll just follow a 28 day cycle so just follow the moon cycle and you switch to the sesame and sunflower seeds and then if your period comes and it differs from what you've been following follow your body's wisdom. Don't try to strong arm it and be like I'm going to seed cycle so that I I want to be with this moon cycle. Like whatever moon cycle you are with is what you are that's that has more to do with the purpose that you're serving in this life and like the work that you're currently engaged in. And so respect that because there's a lot of wisdom in terms of like where you're at in your moon cycle. So have you found
1: that when people come off birth control People who train, right? Some of the examples you get is like people already had their exercise and strength training dialed in. Did it affect their potential for? Capacity, or were they able to like train longer before they fatigued? Like, what kind of changes did you see? Oh,
0: yeah, totally. That's something that, like, and my patient again praise to my patients. This book wouldn't be here without them. That was something that, especially my practice in the Bay Area, tons of CrossFitters and biohackers that's not as popular in the Pacific Northwest, but definitely in the Bay Area. And women would say, like, they would come off birth control, and then the next cycle, they're like, oh my god, I'm lifting like more weights, like things are changing, you know, lots of competitive athletes, like getting better gains, faster time. Like, and to that was like, never my uh, sports enhancement was like, never my focus. I was more of like the fitness, the bikini fitness models. Like those women would come to me after like what they go through to do those competitions, like mad respect for the discipline they have, but they break their metabolism a lot of times. And they get these male coaches who are just like, screw your hormones get on the pill like darling and just like no dude you want her to like be like her fittest like let her hormones do their thing but seeing women coming off of birth control after they're like, I mean, th- some of these bikini model fitness, I don't know what that's called exactly. I'm so not cool. Yeah. It's I, like competition. Like, Yeah. Modeling, I just yeah. was out with like friends this weekend at brunch and everybody was talking about like new movies and actors and actresses. And I was like, someone made a comment where they were like, you legitimately live under a rock and you only read PubMed. And
1: I'm like, it's so true. <laughs> like I've been living in Paris people.
0: So. <laughs> yeah. I've been living <laughs> in Paris, also studying PubMed, but for my kids condition. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, with that, then what happens with these women sometimes is that because they they basically like break their metabolism, they start gaining fat and their body's like putting on fat. And really coming off mm-hmm. of hormonal birth control has been one of those like golden ticket things to start shifting body composition. I think it's because of the insulin resistance that happens and because of the strain on the thyroid and the adrenals and that like you need you need your natural progesterone to be able to use thyroid hormone as well. And so if you're on this progestin, you've been doing all these things that stress the the system, your body's really wise. It will be like, oh, we're, we're in starvation. We got to hibernate. Okay, shut it down. Like We're going to gain weight. That was a really interesting thing. And I actually- I have to say, I'm a little remiss. I didn't get to some of the stuff that was in the book about that and about specifically speaking to the point of there are people who will contend that you're weaker when you have a menstrual cycle, a regular menstrual cycle, and it impacts your athletic performance. Therefore, you should just be on hormonal birth control. And the research has actually said, no, that's, that's not true. And in fact, like being on hormonal birth control might actually impact your performance. And there are times that if you work with your menstrual cycle, that you can have tremendous gains or you can change your body composition you know your testosterone going high before ovulation you may actually find that you have more energy you can lift even heavier then as you shift into progesterone going high in the luteal phase that's where your metabolism starts to shift now you are bur- burning more calories and you probably have more cravings and you want to eat more things because your body's like let's make a baby let's store calories <laughs> like that's what your body does but it's a good time to focus in on like routines that can help you with losing weight and Often, those are the times that, like, the week before you're going in your period of like dialing back into doing like yoga or Pilates, like things that are still strengthening, but also are helping with the stress response and modulating that. It's a good time. You can actually, there's women who are like, You know, they'll do spin classes. I used to be a group fitness instructor, so these are all (laughs) all the things I used to teach. But working with patients, we would start to structure their exercise routine and be like, "If you're going to do your spin class, let's do it like in your your the second week of your follicular phase and leading into ovulation, and then let's dial it back as we are ending the luteal phase towards menstruation." And they'd be like, "I'm just losing weight, and I feel like I'm doing less work." And I'm like, "It's just because you're working with the way that your your hormones are." But when you when you're on birth control, it's static. Like you're on these synthetic hormones, and it's all the same all the time. And then it's impacting other hormones. But yeah, that was a big eye opener. And I have articles on this, so people like the stuff that didn't make it in the book. I'm just putting out articles on. I'm like, all right, I already wrote it. Let's put it out there. But it is it's a very interesting observation and. Your husband's a soccer player, right? Did you play she soccer? He is a soccer player. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm I like a I have- bit in high school. Yeah. Yeah, I have like, I don't want my kid to play anything where he, anything hits his head ever. Yeah, I'm like, be a swimmer. Go <laughs> be a swimmer. Um, but with that, there's been studies that show that women who get head injuries, the athletes specifically, so like <laughs> soccer players, you get hit in the head, like, and there's other things that hit you in the head, that when they get hit in the head and they have like a congu- concussion, that if they are in their follicular phase, they actually recover. A month later, they recover faster than women who are in the luteal phase. And the reason is, is that natural progesterone is protective of the brain and it helps with the brain inflammation that happens after a head injury. And so this is another thing to consider. Progestin does not do this. Progestin actually alters the female brain and, not, and like we've got to do more research, but it ain't looking good in terms of what it does. So with that, that's another consideration is if you're an athlete, and you are playing a sport where you are prone to, or you're at risk of a head injury, recognizing that your menstrual cycle, your natural hormones, your progesterone can protect your brain and actually help you recover. Whereas like we need research to understand like if you're on oral contraceptives and you have a head injury, does that actually leave you with more deficits? Yeah. It's interesting. I was talking to
1: one of our friends, Kara Killian, and she's doing research in Southern California at Andy Galpin's lab, doing literally like muscle biopsy tissue samples and finding that there's a change in tissues, especially like like three to four days right before the menstrual cycle where women are getting, like there's a higher percentage of injury three to four days before the menstrual cycle and a physical tissue change.
0: Yeah. Well, and progestin is going to affect your ligaments as well. And so, yeah, this is where runners are like, uh, so I'll have runners that, and you can't, I don't know about what your experience is, but I feel like people who are runners, you can't take running away from them. They're just oh, like, no. they, they like live for it. They get so pissed. They're They'll like, give you the evil eye. Yeah. Or CrossFitters where I'm like, you need to do yoga. And they're like, what are you the devil? <laughs> I'm like, no, I just want to help you. But this is something where I, you know, women will say to me, my patients will be like, oh, I keep having ankle injuries. Like I keep rolling my ankle mm-hmm. yeah. or like I notice that like my um, lifting weights, like, oh, my, my ring fingers, like there's a problem. Like I get a, I get a sprain every time and I have them document it. And sure enough, it's correlated with right before their period. And so I will also say like yin yoga is something that can be great. It's really about getting into the connective tissue, but you have to engage your muscles. Okay. So guys, I'm a certified yoga instructor and I just want to say like, There are really great yoga instructors out there, but people who gravitate like so. If you look at Yoga Journal, these are like hypermobile people. Yeah, totally. But you have to engage your muscles to protect the ligaments, and so like in pregnancy, this is very, very important. But also prior to your menstrual cycle, and I don't know that Yin yoga is always the best thing a couple days leading into the menstrual cycle. Neither would I say Bikram is the best thing either. I think it's a little too strenuous just before your period, and it's not because you're the lesser or you're weaker. It's just that you're having these tissue changes that you just need to honor and work with your body. And that's why I think Pilates is fantastic because it's that combination of strength and you're actually going to be stretching as well. I wish every single
1: doctor I'd ever seen told me right before they gave me the prescription for the birth control, by the way, this is going to not allow your brain to talk to your ovaries.
0: (laughs) I wish they had told me that line. (laughs) I don't know that like, I don't even know that like they really even think about it. Like I I don't even think they think about the mechanism of action because, and I joke that like in this day and age, like it gets passed out like candy, but with the research we have now, nobody passes out candy like that anymore. So it's like passed out more than candy. And you're seeing these things come up, which gives me big pause and concern. Like I would never advocate women don't have access to birth control. And I know everybody's, their scenario is different, but the fact that you can walk into CVS and your pharmacist can now write you a prescription for birth control. Did they do a family history with you? Did they take your blood pressure? Did they monitor your labs to understand what your individualized risk was before that happened? Or these mail order where they're like touting like, oh, skip the doctor's visit and just get birth control. And I'm like, why is skipping a doctor's visit the sexy marketing thing that you're doing? Like that's a really important thing for your doctor to take your blood pressure, to evaluate what's going on with your menstrual cycle. Like if you are going and getting on the pill because you're having irregular periods and your girlfriend was like, this helped me have regular periods, by the way, those are just withdrawal bleeds from a medication. And you go and you you do this yourself. What if you have hypothyroidism? What if that's the root cause? And then it gets masked for decades. Like that potentially leaves you at risk of developing congestive heart failure. Like that's no joke. Like you can't even go up the stairs now because your heart doesn't work. Like these are things that like we have to discuss with women. And I'm like, I'm all for like, yeah, let's give women access and the ability to control their reproductive health. But let's also give them access to the ability to have insight and knowledge about their body to stay safe, to monitor these symptoms. And that's what I did in Beyond the Pill as i said like if you're on the pill and you are concerned about stroke and heart attack go get these tests done if you're on the pill and you're starting to have these symptoms talk to your doctor get these tests done in the meantime here's how to eat here's how to move here's other things that you can do yeah so every woman and not only every
1: woman but every man that knows a woman should probably be picking up beyond the pill huh
0: yeah <laughs> It's funny, there's so many people so I actually asked because I named it Beyond the Pill because it's root cause solutions to your hormones beyond birth control and that there's life beyond the pill. Like you don't have to be afraid. And yet people are very confused, which I my bad. I'll take the heat for that because everybody's like, I thought this book was gonna be all about birth control. I got it. It's all about women's hormones, it's about gut health, it's about autoimmune disease, it's about thyroids, adrenals, mood, fertility, libido, and the and I'm like, Yeah, it's like all the things. Like we're going through all of that. And I asked, I asked my audience, I was on a live, and I was like, what would you guys have named this book and said? And unanimous was the hormone Bible. And I was like, that's that's a good one. Yeah, but I'm like, that's so pretentious. Like, and that's like, I would not be like, oh, my book's so good. I'm gonna compare it to the Bible. Like, no, like that's so weird. But that's what so many women have said is they're like, this is the hormone Bible. Like every woman should have the hormone Bible. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. So if it wasn't beyond the pill, I wouldn't have named it Hormone Bible. So maybe your audience will have ideas as well. Once <laughs> you pick it up and be
1: like, Yeah. So where can people find you? You have a beautiful, so beautiful Instagram. I'd like try to like look at it for inspiration for my own, <laughs> but where can people find you?
0: You can find me at drbrighton.com, D-R-B-R-I-G-H-T-E-N.com. That's my main hub where you can find all kinds of freebies and information and all the articles that I referenced. If you do grab Beyond the Pill, go to beyondthepillbook.com so you can grab some gratitude bonuses, including recipes and some really cool interviews to help you on your hormonal journey. You can also find me at Instagram at Dr. Jolene Brighton and on YouTube where I try to produce videos to help educate you about your body. And you and I actually have a video that's coming out soon of an interview that we did together. So you guys definitely want to subscribe and stay tuned to that thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you supporting the book and being an advocate for change in women's medicine.
1: That's a wrap. I have two truths that I fully believe in. First, to be 1% better every single day. And second, all feedback is good feedback because it helps us grow. Why do I say this? If you're enjoying these conversations and you find this is adding value, send us some love by subscribing to Muscle Medicine Podcast on iTunes. And if you want to share your voice with the world and scream it from the rooftops and tell your friends, or you can just give us a little feedback so we can grow by rating and reviewing Muscle Medicine on iTunes. Thank you guys so much gratitude. Dr. Emily Kybert here.